0: This is the This Is Gonna Hurt Podcast with Jay Gordon Duncan. Hello friends, and welcome to a Wednesday wisdom episode of the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast with Jay Gordon Duncan. And if you're wondering why the J, the answer is I am not a bagpipe player. And if that joke doesn't make any sense, I encourage you to check out episode zero where I explain that joke as well as the purpose of the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast. But as to today's episode, our Wednesday Wisdom episodes are this. I am sharing the audio of my sermons from the church I pastor, Evident Grace Fellowship in Fredericksburg, Virginia, as well as sermons from churches I have pastored prior, as well as sermons that I've preached at other places. And I'm sharing them with you for this reason. My sermons are usually not too long. They're between 30 and 40 minutes long. And by sharing them with you, it gives you a chance for some spiritual encouragement mid-week. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope it's challenging and encouraging, like I said. And if it is, would you please send me a note at uh, gordon at jgordonnuckin.com or maybe even share this sermon online, Facebook, or on your Instagram story. I hope you enjoy it. So let's get to the sermon.
1: The Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai saying, Speak to the people of Israel, and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you, the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years you shall sow your field, and for six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its fruits. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap what grows of itself in your harvest, or gather the grapes of your undressed vine. It shall be a year of solemn rest for the land. The Sabbath of the land shall provide food for you, for yourself, and for your male and the female, and female mercy, and for your hired worker and the sojourner who lives with you, and for your cattle and for the wild animals that are in your land. All its yield shall be for food.
0: Uh, I've shared with some of you before that I was a schoolteacher at an alternative school, so cast way back to 1994. And I was the teacher at the Tar River Learning Center, which was an alternative school that Nash County had started. They were trying to help with the dropout rate that just too many students were getting expelled and dropped out. So to qualify for my school, you had to already be expelled from another school. So we were sort of the halfway in between public school and juvenile prison. And so I had only been out of school as a teacher a few months And there were four teachers and 50 students when we got started. We didn't have school supplies and we didn't have books. And so we had about two weeks to try to put together the curriculum. I I would go to this used bookstore and I would be like, oh, there's 10 copies of All Quiet in the Western Front, then that's what we're studying. And so it was that beginning time was really a bunch of people just trying to hold it together, trying to be a legit school and trying to help these students. And about three weeks into the beginning of the school and the beginning of our teaching careers, there was a teacher's work day. And so the four of us hopped into the science teacher's car. She had a a Jeep Cherokee. And we went to uh, just a seminar that they were putting on for teachers. And we were riding back. So we're riding the country roads of Nash County, North Carolina. And uh, we're having a conversation. We're kind of debriefing. And a dog runs out in the middle of the road and uh, our, our driver swerved to miss the dog, but ran head-on into a paint truck. So, Jeep Cherokee paint truck, head-on, 55, 55 miles per hour. By the way, paint goes everywhere when you run in, head-on into a, a paint truck. And so, so we, we all kind of wake up. Everybody's alive. Um, the, the teacher had lost her vision. She hit her head so hard, it eventually came back. We're all just kind of I mean, I'm sure we all got concussions. We're trying to find out what's going on. Is everybody okay? And then after that, I remember waking up in the hospital. And somehow my mom and dad are there. So my mom and dad were a good hour away. I don't know how they got contacted. That means I'd been asleep or unconscious for a while, one or the other. And uh, so my mom and dad are there. They're uh, assuring me that I'm okay. And then the next time I wake up, I'm in my apartment. My sweet mother is making chicken pastry Uh, because she knows I've got to eat at some point in time, and my dad's just sitting there. And so uh, my dad and I are walking through, like, what happened, and uh, I'm like, well, uh, you know, what day is it? And it's the same day, and I'm like, well, I'm glad you guys are here. i got to get ready to go teach the next day. My dad's like, you're not going anywhere, like, tomorrow. I was like, Dad, there's four teachers like, I don't know how many of us are even going to make it to work tomorrow, but I've got to go to work. My dad's like, again, I'm just telling you, you're not going anywhere tomorrow. Like, you need to rest. And I, again, I'm working through the argument, and my dad's just reminding me that uh, I need to do it. And I'm like, but, Dad, these students, you don't understand. I'm just now connecting with them. I don't even know who would even substitute in a place like I'm working at. And he, again, he just tells me, and this is what my dad tells me, and I've quoted it many times. My dad said, listen, we don't work so we can rest, son. We rest so we can work. I was like, explain that to me. And so my dad, uh, not a Sabbatarian, if you want to use that theology, understood this, though. He goes, listen, the, the whole idea of rest from God is that it enables us to then work. Because work is good. Work is godly. It represents God himself. So when God rested on the seventh day, it wasn't like he was exhausted. He was teaching us, hey, I'm giving you this gift And if you exercise this gift, then you're going to be able to obey and glorify me and work in such a way that you will be replenished. But rest requires faith. Like active, real rest. Active, real rest requires faith always. And so I remember sitting there with my dad, and I'm like, if I don't go to work, what's going to happen? And that was at this point now when I look back some 20-some years later, I can say it required faith that everything was going to be fine. Now, God does the very same thing uh, in a pattern, of course, creation and rest in the Sabbath, but he did it with his people with something called the year of jubilee. The idea of the year of jubilee is he wanted the people to work the land for six years. And then he wanted them to take a complete year off from working the land. No crops, no nothing. Like, take a year and let it rest. Can you imagine the amount of faith that would take? I don't even want to get to that point yet. We'll talk about it in a minute. Can you imagine it? Some of us go, a year off. Like, it wasn't a year's vacation. It was a year of actively caring for things, but you weren't sowing the land. You weren't planting the crops. You were resting. And in essence, God was telling them, I want you to rest so that you can work and be my people. So that's going to be our big idea. Do we work to rest or rest to work? And we're going to pursue these three points in this brief message here. We're going to pursue the ideas of rest, growth, and mercy. We're going to discuss this idea of resting to work or, resting or working to rest. Uh, let's look at Leviticus 25. Let's look at this idea of rest, what God had commanded his people to do. The Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Remember, they're Mount Sinai. They're not even in the promised land yet. They've barely escaped from Egypt. Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you, the land shall keep a Sabbath. The Sabbath is going to keep a land to the Lord. For six years you shall sow your field, and for six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its fruits. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. Okay, so you own a field, and you're planting soybeans, corn, and you've got a vineyard, and you've got grapes. And you live off this. This is your food, and this is your business. 24 hours a day, you take a break on the Sabbath, but the way you eat and the way you make money is to work this land. That's it. And God says, what I want for you is when I give you this promised land, stop it. I don't want you to plant anything for a year. I don't want you to prune anything for a year. And I want you to trust that it's going to show up. Now, I don't know if you've ever worked on a farm. I don't know if you ever worked a summer on it. The only thing I ever did was a summer of barning tobacco, which I don't recommend necessarily, but it was nasty, disgusting work. But the whole idea is you can't just leave it typically. You can't just let go. Grapes might show back up, but it's going to get less and less every year. And God's saying, I'm going to give you guys a rest for a year in the sowing and the reaping, and it's going to be okay. But you've got to trust me because rest always requires faith. Active rest, spiritual rest, a renewing rest, always requires a measure of faith because you don't know what's going to happen by the work of your hands. What God is saying is, I'm not going to let you trust your efforts for a period of time. I want you to trust me. Now, on a quick note, before we get to the end of the sermon, Israel never did this. Never in the history of of the people of God, did they ever give the land a rest? Ever. We'll get back to that. Let's look at our second point. Growth, verse 5. You shall not reap what grows of itself in your harvest or gather the grapes of your undressed vine. It shall be a year of solemn rest. Like, listen, it's going to grow. It's going to grow. You can eat off of it, but you're not reaping it to go and sell it. That's the distinguishing here. Like, I promise you, your food is going to come back for a year. I promise you. I promise you what you have. But you're going to have to trust each other. There's going to have to be food that's shared with each other. But what you're not doing is you're not going and selling it. You're going to have to trust me because the land is going to grow in that seventh year. Mercy, verse 6. And the Sabbath of the land shall provide food for you. You'll have it. Don't worry. Food's going to show up. It's going to provide for you, yourself, your male and your female servants, for your hired worker and the sojourner who lives with you, and your cattle and the wild animals in your land. All of it is yield shall be for food. Like, listen, you need to be merciful. I know you're scared right now there's not going to be enough for you, but there's going to be enough food for you and your kids. There's going to be enough food for your servants. It's even going to be enough food for the pagans who hang out with you, those sojourners, those people who aren't. You need to even be feeding, if you want to use the language of our day. Like, go feed those non-Christians. I promise you, you're worried about whether you can take care of yourself. You're going to have so much when you trust me. You're going to have enough. You're going to be able to feed your servants. And you're going to be able to take care of those people who don't even believe in Yahweh God. Can you imagine, one, the amount of trust and faith it would take to do this, and two, what a miraculous testimony it would have been to each other and to the world. Can you imagine if all those countries around, if if the Babylonians heard, wait a minute, those guys aren't even farming and God is providing food for them, and for people that we know. Like God purposely intended a rest for them that would require a great faith, but it would enable them to work for years and years to come. So what the session and I are hoping for these next few weeks is in a measure, a jubilee for evident grace. A purposeful spiritual rest. You know what Israel would have done that entire time? They would have kept on worshiping. God never said, quit worshiping. You know, they would have had to provide animals for sacrifice. He was like, don't worry. Everything's going to be necessary. Worship and rest. That is what we are hoping for this summer. We're going to continue to worship. Our EG groups are not meeting for study. Our men and women are meeting right now. It would look like, and to some measure, we weren't doing a lot. What we're proposing is purposeful, spiritual rest. And I want to talk about what that's going to look like for us as a church. First of all, the session has graciously granted me and my family a six-week sabbatical. So that means for July, in the first two weeks of August, we won't be here. It's not a day at the beach. Well, the first week's vacation. The remainder is. I am going, first week we're going to the beach, I'm going to vacation. What we want is to follow the pattern of rest, growth, and mercy for us. And then I want to talk about what that looks like for you guys. Remember, what was the intention of the rest from God in the Old Testament? It was intended so that they would be able to continue on in great faith, in worship, in work. Rest, first of all, for the Duncans, this is our seventh year here. Our denomination, and it doesn't require a seventh year sabbatical or anything like that, but the session has graciously granted one. What that looks like for us is that we're going to get away. We won't be here. It's not like we're not going to necessarily be gone from Fredericksburg for six weeks, but we won't be worshiping with you in July or the first two weeks in August. Our intention is to have a deep spiritual and physical rest. Opportunities for me to pursue the scriptures without trying to prepare a sermon or time of repentance or even counseling. An opportunity that I don't get, but I very much need and want. An opportunity for me to connect with my family in worship where we're not necessarily being the huge part of the music team or even even serving in areas in the church. We want to go and worship. We went to go and worship. I'm not coming back. I've told Matt and Jeremy, like I'm not coming back with the, here's the grand plan that came up in my mind. I've already tried to get rid of all that in my brain now because that's always happening. Like I'm trying to dump all that now because I want to come back and I want to be a faithful minister to you guys and our family wants to be a, a faithful member of the church. I'm not candidating for other churches. I'm not, I'm not interviewing anywhere. I'm not training for a marathon. I'm resting. And my family's resting. You guys are going to get a break from my voice. And you need it. You do. After seventh year of hearing lots of sermons, you need a break to hear other people's voices. We're lining up ministers right now, folks that are excited about coming and preaching for you. One of the folks who's helped us greatly with this has been Dave Benz at King George. He's taken a couple sabbaticals. One he thought went well, one he thought was organized poorly, and we're like, tell us, teach us. He's going to be my accountability in this. I have a plan, a weekly plan that I shared with the session, and he's going to be uh, an accountability for me to help me walk through this, so to make sure it's a purposeful rest, so that I can come back and serve. You know, when Israel took, well, when Israel was supposed to take their Jubilee, they were supposed to trust that they would grow. Guys, we've We've not grown in the last six months. We've gotten smaller. The majority of those have been people who have moved away, some people who decided not to join the church, and a couple of people who were displeased. It's the nature of a church. What we're going to do is we're going to take these six weeks of July and August, and I'm going to give you guys a 40-day prayer plan that we can all do together. Every single day from July into August for 40 days, I'm going to give this to you and pray that we can all pray the same thing. That we'll be on the same page. That on on July 3rd, when we're praying for our officers' wives, you guys are praying for the officers' wives. When the Duncan family are praying for the deacons, that God would give them great wisdom, you're going to be praying the same thing. When we're praying, dear God, give the Duncan family physical and spiritual rest, you're going to pray for the same thing. And if we do this, if we humble ourselves... We're going to trust that God's going to prepare us as we come back at the end of the summer and the fall and that he would bless us with growth in the midst of that. Here's my great encouragement to you. Even though we're gone, I'm going to encourage you, be here. Be here. If you're in town, be here. Please don't go take this opportunity to go explore. (laughs) There's opportunities happen at vacations and and seeing family. They're like, be here. Love and worship evident grace as well as you can. We're going to be loving and, and, and loving you guys as well as we can away. But I want us to take a 40-day concentrated time of prayer. Because I've had this conversation with several of you in the last few weeks. I still believe, and I think you guys do believe, in the mission of what God wants to do here. This area desperately needs gospel churches that do their best to get rid of things like legalism and bearing on you things that you shouldn't be bar- born in. Think about where we are. And, and guys, this is as casual as I can get to be. Think about where we are. We've got a Mormon church up here. We've got a mega church over there that's not always necessarily speaking of Jesus correctly. We've got a, another liberal church in the corner. And then that's it. Like, this isn't the greatest of space. It's slightly cooler this week. I promised you it would be. It's slightly. It's, it's better than last week. But we're uniquely positioned to proclaim the gospel to this area, to this why, to that school. They're building houses so quickly here. I'm just asking my, I'm running in the dirt. And I'm God, like, well, God, what would you have us do here? Like we're uniquely positioned for growth. And we're going to have to pray, God, would you use it? But it's going to require us to be faithful and rest. Remember that third point, mercy? Like we're still going to be merciful to one another. We're going to meet each other's needs. We're going to have babies born that I won't be at the hospital to go kiss and pray. We're going to have to love and care for each other. The deacons are still active. We're still going to Brisbane Center. We still need to be about mercy because that's the language of the gospel. That is what I, in the session, am praying for in the summer. I want to be repetitive purposely. There's not a conflict in session. There's nothing that we're trying. There's none of that. Like, this is a time of rest i'm not out there interviewing i'm not going to general assembly like hey who wants to hire this guy there's none of that it is how do we rest so that we can be greater prepared i greatly encourage you as our eg groups get together for their cookouts go to them enjoy them spend each other just be thankful for the time each other now let me share this with you about what god promised i don't have this verse up here Uh, as i was preparing this morning i found it and i loved it this is what was said later on in Leviticus 25. This would have been the promise had Israel been faithful. Leviticus 25:18. Therefore, you shall do my statutes and keep my rules to perform them, and you'll dwell in the land securely. He said, I would have given you that, that seventh year safely. Verse 19. The land will yield its fruit, and you'll eat your fill and dwell in it securely. And you shall say, what shall we eat in the seventh year? If it may not grow or gather in our crop. And I love verse 21. I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year. So that it'll produce a crop sufficient for three years. They were worried. They were like, God, what are we going to do? We're not working the land. And he said, I will command my blessing on the land you have so much food, you have it for three years. Now, I don't want to over-spiritualize this. I'm not saying when I get back, God's going to give us enough people for three years. That's not it. But the principle behind that was, if you will rest and trust God, he will command blessing on you. And God always promises blessing when we are obedient to rest in him. Let me say that again. God always promises his blessing when we are faithful to rest in him. So that's what I'm going to pray. One of those 40 days is going, to pray, is going to be, God, will you command your blessing on this work? God, will you command your blessing for us to trust you? God, will you command your blessing for a harvest in the fall when we return? Guys, I, I cannot tell you how oddly I feel. Like I have no concept of what a sabbatical looks like or feels like other than what I've read. I'm blessed to get one. I've never taken one. The idea on a Saturday night of not thinking about doing this, other than the few times I've had on vacation, like I don't even know what, I even know what the cycle of rest looks like during the week. Thankful I have an accountability with Dave Benz who's going to help me. I'm thankful we have a plan. And my family and I are excited about it. What I ask for you guys is be excited for us. Pray for a spiritual and physical rest for us. We're going to gather and worship. We're going to have wonderful pastors preaching for you guys. But let's pray that God would bless us. I'll send these out in the, in the uh, Sunday recap, but Leviticus 26, Jeremiah 34, and 2 Chronicles 36 all talk about how God did not bless them because they weren't faithful. Had they just kept the Jubilee, God would have immensely poured out blessing on them. So let's make this our seventh year rest. Let's make it purposeful. Let's pray that God would bless us Let's pray that he'll hold us securely when we're worried. And then let's use this period of rest to come back in the fall with immense energy and hope and thankfulness for what God's going to do. Let's bow our heads and we're going to sing a song that I think is very appropriate for what we're hoping. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you promise to be faithful. Thank you that you provide for us. Father, as we walk through what we have to say in the town hall meeting, we have wonderful blessings that you've poured out. Will you give evident grace a season of rest, even as we gather for worship? Will we commit to pray together? And Father, you always pour out blessing when we're faithful to rest in you. Will you do that yet again? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I'm excited to tell you about a new sponsor of ours, Evangelize Today Dot info. That's today.info. I want you to check out this website because today.info gives you a just a wealth of resources. First of all, evangelized Today runs a host of evangelism and conferences and workshops across the country. In fact, they're getting ready to go to one in, in Bali, which I really wish I could go to. I really do. Maybe next year. Uh, they also offer residencies for anyone who wants to grow in understanding and how to tell their own story. And, of course, just growing in the show. Of the gospel. They uh, excitedly host Blue Church, which happens every single day at JV's Restaurant and Bar. You've got to click on the Blue Church tab to understand that. But even more importantly, uh, Evangelize Today publishes some amazing resources. Most of which are written by my good friend, Dr. Alan Dayhoff. He's got, uh, if you're familiar with him, he wrote a book about tattoos telling the secrets of the soul. Uh, But his new book is called The Genius in Your Wound, Life's Worst Can Reveal Your Best. And friends, what this is, it's an opportunity for people to share their stories about incredibly difficult circumstances they've been through. But what they're realizing is that out of these difficult circumstances, there's actually genius being born. There's actually a great story that God is working. So check them out today. Check out evangelizedtoday.info, And if you want to get Genius in Your Wound, you can get it, of course, at Amazon, or you can get it at lulu.com. Either one. Check them out. We're excited to have them on board.